and weary land Where many a dream has died Like a tree planted by the water We never will run dry So living water flowing through God, we thirst for more of you Fill our hearts and flood our souls With one desire Just to Shiloh. So let me tell you, outside of my, wow, there's a lot of you here today. This is so exciting. Wow. Um, Other than my morning devotion time, consistently, God speaks to me during worship. Don't ever take Shiloh worship for, for, for granted because it's awesome. It's awesome. You If you want to, you can hear God. I love, I love our times of worship. So, those of you who know me know that I like to start messages with songs, something tied to the message. Sometimes they're what we call secular songs, non-Christian artist songs, and and sometimes they're they're Christian songs. And so, a lot of times I know songs, because I like songs, so I'll think of it. God always starts my messages this way. He gives me a title. That's how I get my messages. And then I build the, from the title, I build the message. And, and this situation, I Googled it because I didn't really know a song that had Thrive in it. What would you think? I found this song. And, and look at those last uh, lyrics. We know that we were made for so much more than ordinary lives. It's time for us to more than just survive. We were made to thrive. Now, guess, now this title of our message series was before I found this song. And guess what the title of our message series is? From Surviving to Thriving. Seriously? Come on. So, that's our title. Now, do you remember January of 2020? Do you remember how excited we were? Economy was going right along. Everything seemed good. We had no pandemic. And we taught this series called 2020 Vision. We were blind to what was about to happen. All right? We should have had a message series from thriving to surviving. All right? But here we are in 2021. And for the next eight weeks, we're going to hopefully share things with you and for us that will help us learn how this year, no matter what happens, to thrive and not just survive. So we decided to take a series and take words that begin with the letter F, and we would have one of those words for each of our week's series. So here's a quote. 
how fortunate we are to be free and find, in God's word, fabulous promises to help us fight the good fight of faith, therefore helping us to thrive, not just survive. Now, you may think that's a famous quote, but I actually made that up (laughs) all by myself. All right, so we will be talking about some things like faith, fear, foolishness, fortunate, forgiveness, funny, fake, and forward together, and finally. Now, here was one of our issues, though. We had other words we would kind of like to share on, but they didn't begin with F. So we decided, because we're creative shepherds, right, that we could do this, and here's how we're doing it. First of all, there's humility, okay? And there's fuv, patience, and fope. I hope you found that funny. (laughs) All right, on a much more serious note, the title of our message today is The Most Important Word in the Bible. So that's pretty cool, huh? You're going to learn the most important word in the Bible. So that's our key point coming right out of the box. Other than the name of Jesus, oh, you got that up already. Other than the name of Jesus, God the Father, you know, Holy Spirit, the most important word I believe in the Bible is the word faith. So, so why do I say that? Let's look at Hebrews 11.6. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So I don't know about you, but when I read a scripture like that, that says I can't please God without something, I want to know what that something is. And that something, according to Hebrews, is faith. So I want to reword a a part of that scripture the very first part. And here's another way of saying the same thing. It is possible to please God with faith. You see, it goes on to say in that scripture that anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. It's an interesting scripture. It's an interesting statement. So here's what I want to tell you. If you're sitting in this room today and you're a Christian, you can check that box. Because in order to become a Christian, in order to have that ability to walk with God, you had to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You had to ask forgiveness. You had to believe he died for your sins. You had to believe that he rose from the dead. You had to believe that he exists, right? And that's an important, important, don't ever Lose sight of the wonder of that. Look, the Bible says very clearly that broad is the way that many will take that leads to hell. Narrow is the gate, and few will find it. And you don't find it. You're drawn to it. The Bible says no man or woman comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draw them. I don't know. I don't know why some of you got saved. Personally, I know some of you. I wouldn't have saved you, okay? I mean, I wouldn't. You know, I mean, Chris, I would have saved Rock. I mean, it really would have been just a toss-up whether I would save you, Rock. Okay, so, but the fact of the matter is, 
God has drawn you, look, I don't care what's going on in your life. Don't lose the wonder of that. Don't lose the wonder of that. You know, the ability to recognize that he exists is only through God's grace and mercy. Then there's this part. It says that God is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. I don't know about you, but I think when God decides to reward, he really knows how to reward, right? So he rewards us how? Well, forgiveness. We have eternal life. We have freedom from fear. We have peace in the midst of a non-peaceful world. And the last part is for those who sincerely seek him. Now, I want to talk to you about that because I think people can read Scripture and, and take them in a way that God doesn't, doesn't want you to take them. See, that is much more of a privilege than a command. You see, you and I no longer need someone to go to God for us. If you had lived in the Old Testament, you would have found how hard it was to approach God. I mean, you had to be ceremonially clean to begin with. You had to offer up sacrifices for your sins, okay? And then you didn't get to go to God. The priests, the Levites were the ones that did that. And then they couldn't even get to go directly to God. Only one of them, the high priest, one time a year. You could be out in your garden digging out roses, stop for a moment and go right into the throne room. I mean, you, you have no concept what the Jews of the Old Testament, you would, they would have just said to you, you're crazy, all right? So, as I read the Bible, which I have many, many times, from, from Genesis to Revelation, I have determined this, that this new covenant of grace we have, that God is much more focused and being pleased with the time you spend for him than he is being upset with the time you think you don't. See, the enemy tries to guilt us whenever he can. I grew up in a religion where they taught guilt. I mean, we knew guilt inside and out, all right? And the enemy tries to use that. But you see, as you seek God, as you seek God, he's just so pleased with that. That's his focus. See, I don't know about you, but you could read the Bible more, right? We could all pray more, right? We could all meditate more, right? Yes, always. But I want you to be motivated, not by the fear you're not doing enough, by, by the joy of knowing that God is very pleased for whatever time you spend with him. And let me tell you something. You will be much more motivated to spend time with God if you think he's always pleased when you get there than if you do think, oh, God, I'm sorry, I didn't do enough today either. So, so get over that. You know, and, and even send his Holy Spirit to lead you and I so we stay on the right path. So anyway... It's important as we have this faith walk that we understand the depth of God's love and his grace, which gives you and I the ability to thrive, not merely survive. And I believe in 2021, we're needing to learn the true meaning of faith in order for us to learn to thrive in this coming year. When you and I accepted Christ, whenever that was, we began a faith journey. And that faith will go on till the day we meet Jesus face to face. You don't need faith then. He's going to be right there. Just as a side note, by the way, I didn't, had never thought about this before I was doing this. Uh, I knew, but I didn't really put it together. So when did everything go wrong 
Everything went wrong for mankind when Adam and Eve lost faith in God. And they, they didn't lose faith altogether, though. They misplaced their faith. They put faith in God's enemy. Yes, I know they disobeyed God, so we always say that was their sin. Their sin was lack of faith that led to disobedience. And it would be 2,000 years before that whole thing would be reversed. There was a man named Abram. He became known as Abraham. And God made a promise to him that was totally stupid, impossible. He was an old man. His wife was an older woman. He had, they had no children. And God said, you're going to have kids. There'll be so many, they'll be like the grains of sand at the seashore. And fortunately, Abraham didn't say, yeah, as if. Abraham said, okay. And it says this, Abraham believed God. He had faith in God, and it was what? Counted to him as, right? In other words, we went from being in not right standing with God By this one man, we became in right standing with God. It was awesome. It was awesome. So going back to Hebrews 11.6, if you go further in that chapter, it's known as the hall of faith. It lists all these men and women that did amazing things based on faith, and God used them amazingly to expand his kingdom in the days they lived. So let me tell you about some of the blessings that these people had. So faith, these, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by either the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle. They put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the death, from the dead. So what does that teach us? That every time you have faith for anything, it turns out well. That's a lie, by the way. So let me tell you why that's a lie. Because I want to tell you the rest of the story about those faith-filled men and women. Others were tortured Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained and put in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, mistreated. It goes on to say they were too good for the world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Hmm. Men of faith, women of faith. So how about this for a want ad? Okay, this is a help wanted ad. Help wanted. People willing to be tortured, sawn in half, jeered at, stoned, minimal pay while employed in these activities, but retirement benefits are extraordinary. My sense is, not a lot of calls. Not a lot of calls. Which takes us into our key point number two. Faith. Faith is all about seeing God's kingdom expanded. You've got to grasp this. This is the thriving part of the year ahead. 
It's all about seeing God's influence in the lives of people expanded. It's all about seeing, just like we have, more and more of his kingdom expanded through people coming to him. And through godliness, justice, all the things that God stands for, not just salvation, though that's a key part of it, but just having how God thinks and rules in this earth. See, that is why you and I as Christians, when we face hardships, difficulties, tragedies, we are a part of God expanding his kingdom, whether we know it or not. See, faith, true faith, is not just about believing that our troubles go away. We can have faith in that area and should, but our faith is that God will use those for expanding his kingdom. It's it's a very different realm of faith that I don't know as Christians that we always grasp. When we have difficulties and troubles, we want to go to God immediately and have them remove them. But sometimes God is using them in order to accomplish something he wants to accomplish. Romans 8.28 is a scripture I hear quoted all the time. And I think it's quoted wrongly. And, and this is something I, have, God, I believe showed me quite a while ago, and it's something that's helped me. And here's Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, I think we many times read that scripture, and we read that all things work together for good if we love God. But the reality is, all things don't work together for good when you love God. At least not good the way you would define it, right? How many people have ever had something happen, had faith for it to be reversed or or changed, and it didn't? Okay, yeah, I see a lot of heads nodding. Maddie especially. Okay, I got you. I know. So it's, it's a matter of understanding the end of that scripture. You see... Things don't always work out good for us, but it says if we love God, all things will work out good for his kingdom. You see, God is always, always, always working for the good of his kingdom, and he uses us. He said go into all the world, right? We don't preach the gospel necessarily. You don't have to be an evangelist standing on the street corner. Just live your life. And when you have an opportunity, live it in a way Jesus would live it. And when you have an opportunity, share that you are living it the way Jesus would live it. Verse 27 comes before that. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. You see, the Holy Spirit does plead. It does, he does plead through us in response to things we go through, but he pleads for us when it's in, and how it's in harmony with God's will. You see, As you read the Bible, you realize that it's very important not to have faith in your faith. It's important not to have faith in a particular outcome or a person. Those people are devastated so many times. We need to have faith in God. So I love worship because God speaks to me during worship. So I'm going to share with you something I've never shared this way from the pulpit. And you might say, well, I've never done that. Somebody asked me that afterwards. I don't know. It's never happened. So I was 25 years old. I got saved. I was involved in starting one of the largest churches in the, uh, in the state of New Hampshire. And right about that time, I started to notice that my thumb 
was, you know, was just big down here, which I didn't understand why. And then I started to notice my hands really hurt, my feet really hurt. And I went to a doctor and said, Ed, you have psoriatic arthritis. Now, I have to understand, when I was 25, it was 1974. We were in the middle of one of the biggest moves of God in our country. It's called the faith movement. And everything was about faith. And the bottom line was, if you could believe God for anything, you could have it. And one of the biggest things you believed God for was healing. So I was in the pulpit at that point in time, and I started to really question whether I could go back into the pulpit because I had arthritis in it, and I had been prayed for, anointed with oil. I believed, you know, obviously, didn't turn out quite the way I thought it would. And I was, I was concerned that I would cause people to stumble in their faith because they'd say, wow, how can he preach on healing when he's not even healed himself? Now, fortunately for me, I had good mentors, good people around me, and they encouraged me not to do that. So let me add injury to insult. I prayed for dozens, probably hundreds of people that were healed. <laughs> it was weird to me. You know, this is going to sound weird to some of you that are newer Christians and haven't been exposed. There was many miracles during those, those years. I'm not saying there aren't miracles today, nor, and I, I know there should be. But for whatever reason, during that time, tons of miracles. So one time at one of the Bible studies with 500 people there, a woman came down. She had a very big shoe on her right or left side, and she had one leg shorter than the other. So you have to, you had to be in those times. But I said to that woman, sit down. God wants to lengthen your leg. As soon as I said that, I thought, holy mackerel, what if this doesn't work? But I prayed, and that leg lengthened. Now, I know you're saying, if you know me at all, I am not weird and out there, okay? So let me tell you what happened, just so you'll know. That woman went from Bible study, Bible study, full gospel meeting, she carried her shoe with her, and she carried her pants, and she testified for God. A couple brought me an 11-year-old, their son. He had arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. They believed God. I believed God. I laid hands on him. They came up to me the next week and said, he's been miraculously healed. Seriously? Seriously. I'm praying for him with arthritis, and he gets healed, and I'm still here. So this will perhaps go against your theology. But I will tell you this. I know God heals. I still pray for people to be healed when I see them healed. I believe God can heal me as well as anyone else. But I will tell you, as I look back on this, I was very arrogant. I was very successful. Now in Christianity, I was a leader before I could even tell you the Old Testament from the New Testament. I was an elder. That's how few people we had to put in leadership. When this happened, it, it severely humbled me. And over the course of my life, which is now 40-some years later, this condition has ministered to many. It's given people hope and faith. I've never in my life said to someone, God, maybe God doesn't want to heal you. I've never said that. I would never say that today. But my faith seemed to be disappointing to me. But God used that to expand his kingdom. You may see things differently, but, and please don't email me on this. Oh, gosh, please don't. You know, don't do that. Uh, I've heard it all. I've had copper bracelets sent to me. I've, I've had all kinds of things go on. And that's great. People meant, 
the very best. And I know I'll find out more about this later, but I just want to tell you that sometimes our faith can't always be for a result. It has to be that God's kingdom will be expanded. See, the reason that we're told to give thanks in everything is because God is working in everything. God is working in everything. Key point number three, our faith is not grounded in what we do in response to God. Our faith needs to be grounded in what he did in response to us. See, he responded to your sinful nature and mine, a nature that would have never, ever allowed me to come boldly to his throne, ever. Never, never allowed me to enjoy him as my father instead of my judge. See, that's why Romans tells us there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The Old Testament is a covenant of guilt and condemnation. We live in a covenant of grace, as Pastor Greg pointed out. See, it's not what you do that gains you favor with God. It's what Jesus did that gets you unconditional love and favor from God. You see, we can categorically believe that in everything God is working. Trust him. Trust him. God is always hearing, performing through us and our circumstances and our experience for growth in his kingdom. He is always running after you. Faith in our faith, faith in outcomes is disappointing at some point. Please hear me. You can pray for things going wrong in your life. You can pray for healing, for victory. You should. But have faith in God, not in how he chooses to answer your prayer. From being concerned about going into the pulpit and preaching, I have now been able to preach in many states, actually overseas. I have had the chance to see so many come to Jesus Christ and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by God's grace and mercy, trust me. So, a picture is worth a thousand words. Somebody said that. So this is a lamp. Duh. I will tell you that is from my home. I brought it, and I can tell you that it works. Okay, it works. So I'd like to turn the lamp on. Hey, cute lamp, you're looking pretty good. No, not that way. All right. Greg, Greg at Shiloh Community.Church. All right, now, you may not all be able to hear this, but I'm, I literally am going to click it. Click. Oh! Didn't come on. Why? What are some reasons why that lamp wouldn't come on? Not plugged in. I could be faking you out. It maybe isn't plugged in. What else? No light bulb, huh? What else? Dead light bulb. Yep. What else? It broke. You know, the way I drive here, possibly that's true. What else? Two clicks. That's a good one. That's a good one. Anyone else? How about a, how about a busted breaker? You know, so no power is getting to the lamp. All right, so this, this uh, group is the only one that, that got the answer. It's a three-way bulb with a one-way bulb. So when I clicked it, it didn't do this. 
But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something you didn't say. No one said, Ed, maybe electricity isn't working this time. Not that it's not plugged in. Not that. I'm saying that you knew everything was right coming to that lamp. The bulb's good. The power's on. Everything. There's, there's power other than just flicking and the switch is good. You would never say to me, Ed, sometimes electricity, even if it's all wired right, it just doesn't work. You have absolute categoric faith that properly done, electricity always works. I want to tell you, you serve a God that's more consistent than electricity. When you pray to him, you can know that he always works. You can question a lot of other things, but don't you dare question whether God hears and is working in your life. If you believe in electricity, then you believe in God and his ability to always be working by your faith and your actions to expand his kingdom until he comes. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, the fundamental, fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. See, we were surprised in 2020. We should not be surprised in 2021. We are not out of the woods. We're going to face some tough times in the next month. How do we thrive? I want you to join me in believing that God is using this to expand his kingdom. It's tragic. I don't, make, I don't in any way, in any way, want to lighten the, the horror of death and, and the losses. But I want you to know this, that God is expanding his kingdom through politics, through pandemics, through racial issues. Everybody's got an opinion. Well, here's the opinion I'd like you to have. No matter what you believe in or what you think should happen, I want you to know this. God is working, and he's expanding his kingdom. And for that, you should be able to say, yay, amen, thank you, Lord. Amen. So, here's a phrase I want you to take out of here today. Three words. God's got it. So when you're tempted to worry, fear, when you're tempted to be angry, depressed, anxious, I want you to say, God's got it. God's got it. If you're from New York, it's horrible. But God's got it, brother. It's your kids, perhaps. God's got them. It's your marriage. God's got it. Just believe. Have faith. You know, Probably, when you come back next week, none of you will have been sawn in half. So if you can have faith for that, potentially, as others did, have faith that God's got it. God's got it. Some of you in here, you're struggling to just keep it together, to make it work. I want you to know this. God's got it. And if you have faith in that, 
you have faith that God's working. And if you have faith that where God has you today is because he wants to expand his kingdom through you, man, oh man, you will just enter into a realm of peace that you never knew existed. God loves me. God loves it when I spend time with him. God has only my best in mind. And he wants to use me to expand his kingdom. That sometimes doesn't always work out the way I'd like it to. But his love, I'm going. By faith, I'm going to walk. And I'm going to say, as often as I can, God, you got it. So, Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord, you got it. This year has been a year of, this past year, has been a year of tears, a year of questioning, a year of so much hurt. But, Father, you've got it. You're working all this out for your good. You're going to expand your kingdom through it. Father, I might have written this plan a little differently, but, Father God, I don't have your vision. I don't know everything there is to know. I don't see years down the way, how every single human being's life life intersects with expanding your kingdom. So, Father, forgive me where I have asked, what in the world are you doing, God? Because by faith, I know you've got it. Regardless of what happens to me, you've got it. Lord, I pray that you will keep me in that frame of mind as we go into 2021. And I pray you'll help my brothers and sisters as well. I ask this in Jesus, in Jesus, your holy, holy, precious name.